0: Good morning, I am Luciana Panuzzi. I was the villainess in the Thunderbolt with James Bond, and you are listening to One of Your Majesty's broadcast. Podcast.
1: hundred and sixty seven
2: thousand dollars i'll shuttle for one dance with domino
0: can you play any other tune? something we're making for the americans it's called a ghetto blaster may i cut in
1: Say it again, Sam.
2: It's a charming tune.
3: Hello there, and welcome back to Bomb Music Six of the Best. This is our 13th episode, believe it or not. I am one of your hosts, Jared Albrick. some know me as The Death Probe, and I want to introduce you
1: to my co-host and best friend in the world, Mr. Alan J. Porter. Thank you, Jared. It's great to be back. Is this going to be a lucky 13 for us? Hey, we will I see. guess we'll
3: find out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will find out. Well, first of all, if this is
3: your first episode of Six of the Best, I want to say welcome and give you a quick rundown on how this is going to go. Alan has the lead on this episode, so he's going to take us through some overall thoughts on the soundtrack, then he's going to take us into the main title theme, and then he's going to pick his three favorite tracks from the score. After that, I'll pick my three favorite tracks from what he's left behind, and then we'll have the bonus track. So just, you know, six, eight, what? Just enjoy the show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right. This month, the world is not enough for our thoughts on the
1: second David Arnold score. So World is Not Enough, Alan. What you got for us? As always, we're indebted to John Burlingame's excellent book, The Music of Bond, as a primary resource. So if you don't have a copy, just go out and get one. Tell them Jared and Alan sent you. That's right. Buy two copies. Yeah, one for each of us. In fact, buy three. One for each of (laughs) us and one for you. One for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about The World is Not Enough. According to uh, Burlingame 's Games' book, the producers were uh, so impressed by the work that David Arnold had done on Tomorrow Never Dies. And by the way, so are we. If you want to hear our thoughts and you haven't heard the last episode, go back and check it out. But they uh, not only invited him back this time around, but they actually also offered him the job of writing the theme song too. I've often wondered how John Barry felt about that because losing control of the theme oh, song yeah. was one of the reasons that John <laughs> Barry sort of fell out with the producers and the franchise. And he didn't like the fact that he was getting these pop groups foisted on him with pre-configured songs. So I'm not quite sure after he recommended David Arnold last time. And then for David Arnold's second outing, David Arnold actually gets the thing that John Barry wasn't allowed to have after 11. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's any interview or anything around that, but I've always wondered how he felt around that. Anyway. As I just mentioned, the invitation to return meant that David Arnold at that time became the only the second composer, other than John Barry, to score more than one Bond film. Obviously, there's been somebody else since, but at that point, he was the first person since John Barry to actually be invited back to score another Bond film, which is pretty cool. And one little note: he also became the first composer to play on his own score, as he is actually the guitarist on the Bond theme during the gun barrel.
0: That's pretty sweet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And having seen him play the guitar on the Bond theme when he did the Casino Royale live event at the Royal Albert Hall, he can play the guitar, man. He's really good. So, this time around, if you remember last time when we were talking about it, he sort of had to audition while he was writing the score. You know, he was having to do bits as he went through the score, and they were giving him bits of the movie to score to see if he could do it. This time they brought him in really early, and he actually met with director Michael Aptor during pre production. Spent time on the set, so there was a lot less pressure. And by the time he actually got around to writing the main score, he actually already had the title song, which we'll talk about in a minute, and a couple of the main themes already done. He made the decision to keep moving forward musically by using more electronic rhythms this time to give it more of a techno feel to keep it up to date. And one of the interesting things, and in this first time I've heard of this, he actually coordinated with the movie's sound designer, quote, about where the noise was going to be, so that the score and the on-screen effects didn't actually compete with each other you wouldn't get clashes which quite often happens in action movies that the score gets lost behind the explosions the fact that they work to complement each other i think is really good
3: we talk about that specifically on license to kill how it's a pretty
1: good score but it gets buried yeah it is very much buried so uh, obviously arnold wanted to avoid that so the end result was 88 minutes of music combining uh, some classic bond style with a more contemporary touch and i think some of our picks will really show that the score was orchestrated by Nicholas Dodd and recorded with an 83 piece orchestra over six days in September 1999. And Dodd actually rates it as his favorite Arnold score and felt the blend of the orchestra and the electronics from a programmer, keyboard player Steve Hilton quote, met perfectly in the middle. Unfortunately, I don't think the general public agreed. the um, so soundtrack once again failed to chart on either side of the Atlantic. What is it with these soundtrack albums? Nobody buys them when they come out. It's weird, isn't yeah, it? Well, it's, maybe it's just us Bond fans that like them. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> I think So it was actually recognized by Arnold's colleagues as it actually won that year's Ivor Novello Award, which is something presented by the British Academy of Composers and Songwriters as the best original film score of that year. It at least got recognition from his peers. I just want to throw an interesting side note. I actually uh, listened to a recent interview with Warren Ringham from Cue the Music, the best Bond cover orchestra out there. I think it was on the 00 files. And he recently said that he was saying that the Arnold scores are actually the trickiest for them to do, the trickiest to orchestrate and cover because they've got a lot of underlying complexity, while the Barry ones are actually relatively simple, which is very interesting considering how they both sound like they're coming from the same DNA, I guess. But there's two very different approaches to producing that sound. So what's your overall thoughts on the soundtrack, Jared? This one's an
3: odd duck for me, because stay with me on this journey as I take you through a weird analogy. I think of the last one, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The World Is Not Enough, as the Wonder Twins of the Bond soundtracks by Arnold. <laughs> and I specifically want to use the Wonder Twins from an episode of Teen Titans Go I once saw when the when the Wonder Twins applied to be part of the Teen Titans. And they're like, Okay, show us your powers. Like, what's twin powers activate? And the first one, which would be Tomorrow Never Dies, represented by Jan, says, You know, form of a tiger. And Robin goes, That tiger's awesome. And they look and say, and of course, he goes, Form of a you know, bucket of water. And then you go, Well, that tiger was awesome. <laughs> If you follow that weird analogy, I really, 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 really love Tomorrow Never Dies. And I really, really, really kind of like The World Is Not Enough soundtrack. It's almost like he set his own bar so high <laughs> that, that, that I now expected these things that might have been unrealistic. I want to be clear. I still really like this one, but I just love the prior one more.
1: I think, I don't know, I think we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to <clears throat> Die Another Day. It's the fact that if you listen to his scores, I think they got more techno and more modern. Yeah, I think they're probably some of that. As they went on and more complex. And then when we get to Casino Royale, he took a step back and went back to the basics.
3: Oh, okay. I'll be interested to listen to that transition because right now I'm just thinking about those two, his first two. And I just love, love, love the last one. And this one, I like it just fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't give me the feeling the last
1: one did. Yeah, I think each one gets subsequently more complex. That and more, more moving parts, I guess, is probably one way of putting it. That um, may be it. But yeah, I like them both, but I totally get what you get. So for forevermore, this is going to be Shape of a Bucket of Water. So.
3: <laughs> that tiger is awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the title song. The title song was the first thing that David Arnold and longtime Bond lyricist Don Black worked on before production had started. The director, Michael Apton, had said he wanted a song that was romantic and haunting, That should be done early enough that its themes could be incorporated into the score. Yay! Big check mark for Michael Apted there. That's (laughs) that's right. We like that in our music. Yeah, you listening, Sam Mendes? Okay, (laughs) I don't think he is. (laughs) Okay, there's been some interesting rumours around that various people were offered the song, including Robbie Williams and Bjork, that had been considered. But David Arnold has always said that his first and only choice was actually Shirley Manson from the alt-rock band Garbage. Interestingly, he doesn't say the band Garbage. He says Shirley Manson, the singer, was his first choice. They were pretty big in the UK at the time. They'd had eight top 20 hits and a number one album. And Arnold felt that Manson's personality was very similar to Electric King's. I don't think he means that she was a homicidal maniac. (laughs) (laughs) I think basically means that she was a strong woman with clear views and uh, was outspoken. So uh, at least I hope that's what he means and not... (laughs) not that she she was was pretty (laughs) and she was pretty not that she was out to actually launch a nuclear strike over in istanbul um but arnold says that the song was really designed to reflect electric king's point of view and if you listen to it that comes across pretty well but interestingly as i said his choice was really shirley manson rather than the band garbage but actually Garbage's drummer and producer butch vig which is an awesome name worked with Shirley Manson, uh, made a few changes, and then Arnold liked Vig's version so much that he took that one and, quote, put the orchestra on it for the final track, and that's what you hear in the, in the movie. So it was recorded and mixed in London and Vancouver, which are obviously very close to each other, so I'm not quite sure why they were it was done between those two cities on either side <laughs> of the Atlantic. But anyway, so uh, after the last two title songs had failed to chart with any real success in the U.S., as we said, the American audience has no taste when it comes to Bond theme songs. Uh, I can't even defend us. <laughs> they decided to go all out on the promotion this time, and they negotiate a partnership with MTV to a 100 hours of Bond-related programming, including a making of the video special, a behind-the-scenes special on the movie, a week of 007-themed total request live programs. God, you remember TRL? <laughs>
3: oh, my gosh. a Flood of memories just now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they even had Pierce Brosnan, and I'm sorry, Denise Richards, showing up at the NTV Europe Awards. The video itself is actually pretty cool. It's a mini movie in its own right. It doesn't really have much to do with Bond, but it's a cool little sci-fi mini movie in its own right that uh, they did for garbage. And despite all that, it bombed. (laughs) Um, It again failed to chart in the US. What is it with the American audience? However, it did reach number 11 in the UK. And Billboard dubbed it, and I think they were pushing it a bit here, but Billboard dubbed it the best 00 theme in eons. So let's give it a listen and see if it really is the best 007 theme in eons. So, Jared, do you think that really is the best double theme in Eons, to quote Billboard magazine? Mm, Eons is a long time. <laughs> Especially since
3: we're not that far away from Gladys Knight and Tina Turner. Uh, so, uh, I don't know about Eons, but I will say this. I freaking love that song. I love it. I think it's maybe either that or License to Kill, in my opinion, most underrated Bond theme songs ever. I love it, Alan. I love it. I think you like it. I do. If it was up to (laughs) me, you know, the U.S. would have done a lot better than, you know, not charting it at all, apparently. (laughs) uh, Oh, man, I don't know what we were thinking. I mean, I'm certain there were some Backstreet Boys on the radio at the time. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a great song. I love it. I love it. And I've got some Shirley Manson trivia for you. You didn't ask, but I've got (laughs) it. (laughs)
1: Knowing you, you'll you'll throw it out anyway, so. Yeah, so here you go. Did you know she's also an actress? No, but that sort of comes across on the video. She's really good on the the mini movie type video, yeah. Well, my wife and I really have
3: recently got into a show from a few years ago called Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. Which is a quite good show. I highly recommend it. She has a pretty big part of it. She's in several episodes. Oh, really? Spoiler. she's a terminator (laughs) actually i don't know that yet i know that she's a robot from the future but i don't know what she's up to yet but yeah i thought wait a minute she looks familiar i saw the credits i went shirley manson wait isn't she the lead singer from garbage and yeah
1: she has a big role on terminator sarah connor chronicles and she's quite good i would actually say the sarah connor chronicles is the best terminator sequel after t2
3: yeah, I was thinking. We'll go, I'd probably go one, two. Then the chronicles <laughs> is the best yeah. thing.
1: And then forget anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a shame. I think mean, two seasons, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. I want to say it was two, definitely no more than three, but I think you're. I think it was two, and I think we're rapidly yeah. coming the end. And I've been told it just like ends. Yeah. Like, they did. They didn't even get like a final episode. So I guess I got that coming my way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome I to the a- first episode of Terminator Talk with Jared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where was I going with this? Yeah, I have a bit of a conflict with this song. When I'm watching the movie and I hear it in situ with the opening titles as part of the movie, I absolutely love it. And then it sort of drifts out of my mind and I forget it. It's like one of those, when I hear it, it's like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good Bond song, but it's not one that immediately springs to mind. do keep plugging the 00 files here. Go listen to the 00 files podcast, folks. But on Don's recent 100 Days of Trivia thing, one of the questions came up, who sang the theme tune of The World Is Not Enough? And even though we'd been researching this episode, I went, well, I'm listening to it. I went, uh, um, 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 it didn't even like immediately <laughs> spring to mind. Um, and to me, I think that's indicative of, I won't say it's my wallpaper music, but it's sort of halfway between that and something I really like. When I hear it, it reminds me of how good a song it is. But outside of that, if it's not top of mind, it's not like an instant recall, like Tina Turner or Tom Jones or Wings or Shirley Bassey or, or Chris Cornell. It's a real, uh, yeah. real, real conflict feeling about this song. Because like I say, as soon as it starts, it's like, oh yeah, I really like this. And as soon as it's finished, it's like, what was that song again? <laughs> just doesn't stay with you, I guess. That's all yeah, right. Yeah, it just doesn't stay with me. Yeah. I don't know why, but all right, let's get into my top three picks. There's no point in listening if you don't feel the music. So let's launch the cube boat and dive into my three tracks. And talking to the cue boat that's a perfect segue into my first track, which is come in 007, Your Time Is Up, which for me is five minutes, 19 seconds of the best Bond boat chase, allied with some classic Bondian twangy guitar picking. For me, this is, I think, the best track on the soundtrack. And I'll talk a little bit about the cue boat afterwards.
3: Oh, well, then I can guess what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of coming 007 Your time is up. Oh, that's a cool track, man. That's one of those put it in and drive fast kind of tracks, or boat fast. If <laughs> you have that option. It did answer a question for me though. When I finally got this soundtrack, you know, years ago, I was never clear on whether that whoop whoop sound was a sound effect in the movie or if it was part of the <laughs> music, right? Because I was like, is that an, is that like a warning, a collision? I thought it might have been a collision warning. Yeah, I always, I always thought it was a boat siren, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And I was like, is that, his, is that a siren, a collision warning? But I was like, nope, part of the audio track. So that cleared up that mystery for me. Other than that, no, man, it's a rocking track with a lot of fun. It just starts fast and keeps its foot on the gas. Great tune.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking earlier about that merge between the classic Bond sound, but the techno and the, the modern stuff as well. And it just seamlessly comes together. And I think this track is a great example of that. It's recognizably a Bond thing, but it's very much of its time but still works really well today. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. I got a question for you, Alan. Do you
1: know anything about this particular boat that they used in the movie? Funny you should ask. Um, <laughs> no, the story I was going to tell is, I may have mentioned it on another podcast once or twice. We actually have the Q boat at the Ian Flynn Foundation. There was actually several. At one point we had two. We had one that goes on the water, and then there was one that had wheels on it that goes on the land. We have the one that is actually a boat still. Which has been in various stages of restoration. But when I first joined the In Fleming Foundation, the first job I got was, I don't know if you remember, but in the scene, Q has a blue laptop that's like plugged into the boat that he's like fine tuning the boat and doing stuff with it. And they were like, can you restore Q's laptop? And I was like, oh, great. It's a Toshiba laptop. And they actually gave it to me and it's two blocks of wood with a couple of hinges <laughs> <laughs> with a Toshiba sticker on it. And some graphics stuck on it, and it like, oh, really? <laughs> um, it's like, really? T- it's like Toshiba wouldn't like give them a laptop to actually use. They actually had to make one in the prop shop from two planks of wood. But uh, oh, movie magic! Yeah, movie magic. Talk about destroy the illusion. But uh, but I had great fun. Uh, great fun restoring it. And actually, the hardest part was looking at it on screen and seeing what type of keyboard it was, and it wasn't a standard QWERTY keyboard. So I eventually tracked down the same layout of keyboard in Hong Kong of all places and had to actually source a new keyboard from Hong Kong for the restoration. (laughs) So uh, it was good fun to do. You get to sit in and play with the keyboard, not on the water, but just do work on it whenever we're up there, which obviously has not been for a while now and probably won't be for a while to come, but uh, Mm. good fun. Anyway, let's move on to pick number two, which is Welcome to Baku. The reason I really like this one, I think it's, like John Barry used to do with the cultural clues. We talked about it with a lot of the John Barry scores that he'd pick up the sound of where the location was, or he'd give inanimate objects a particular sound or a particular feel. And I think Arnold does this with the feeling of the stuff in Azerbaijan and Baku and that area. Let's listen to welcome to Baku. And then we'll talk about it a bit more. we've mentioned i really like this i think it's really atmospheric i love the way that you get that soaring score with the hints of the bond theme mixed in with the vocal i think unfortunately the cd cuts the track short as opposed to what you hear in the movie um, you hear a hint of the vocals on that version from the cd but you hear more in the movie which is actually sung by a singer called natasha atlas which you don't get to hear on the cd but she's got a great voice and actually you can hear more of her on David Arnold's shaken and stirred album where she did a version of from Russia with love, which I actually really like. I think she's got a great vocal talent. So, Oh yeah. Unfortunately cut short on the CD and I don't know why they did that. Hmm. Well, either way, it's a great track, man. Like you
3: said, it's very atmospheric, very exotic, but with that sweet, sweet Berry esque undertone of the bond theme running through. it. It's great, man. It's a wonderful track.
1: So talking to things that weren't heard, we're going to go to, My third pick, which you don't hear in the movie, which actually seems to be a bit of a running theme the last few, that there's always been one of us has picked a track that you actually don't hear in the movie. This one is a song called Only Myself to Blame. Uh, It was written by David Arnold and was intended to be played over the closing credits. It's sung by Scott Walker of the Walker Brothers. And the idea was, from David Arnold's perspective, that this would be a song written from Bond's perspective with him taking responsibility for his actions. So let's give it a whirl and then we'll talk a bit more about it afterwards. So this is "Only Myself to Blame, sung by Scott Walker
4: I've walked way past midnight I've driven for days I've tried forget in so many ways I've held other arms but they don't feel the same and I've only myself to blame from city. City, I still see your face. It follows me around all over the place. I shouldn't look back, but I do just the same. I've only myself today I knew it was love But when you
1: if you've listened to the review episode for this movie that van and i did a while back you'll know that my view is that they should have stopped this movie after bond shot electric king sorry spoiler warning um <laughs> <laughs> a bit late, but anyway i think i think that's where the movie should have stopped i think that had the emotional impact i hate the stuff with the submarine afterwards of course if they'd have stopped the movie there then the bad guys would have still succeeded in blowing up istanbul but beside that if you forget that bit <laughs>
3: Well, maybe if they just moved that part to the end like the big action piece and then that's the closer
1: that's the closer would have been the standoff between electric king and bond and you can't do this and he shoots her and stuff and i think if they'd have ended the movie with that and then moved into this as the credits song i think that would have been brilliant i think it would have been a brave move but i think it would have been really great yeah it'd be
3: very honor majesty's ish
1: yeah, apart from one I'm anxious they sport it by putting the Bond theme at the end of it. <laughs> bane <laughs> bane bane. Bane. <laughs> <laughs> Sober moment, wife's dead. Bane, bane. Um, but, you know, I think that would have been a great thing to do here is have that Bond thinking about what he'd done and it be reflected by this song. I thought that would have really worked. Just a- an Alan What If moment. Unfortunately, Michael Apted, the director, this is the one part where he and David Arnold did not see eye to eye, and he thought this was actually too depressing and replaced it with the Bond theme (laughs) over the end credits. But I like it. I think it's laid back, it's jazzy, and I think it's a very interesting take on the character of actually having Bond take responsibility for his actions. (laughs) I think he doesn't really do in any of the books or movies. Um, So (laughs) I thought it was a brave try. I think it's an interesting song. As a standalone, lounge, jazzy, laid back piece, I think it's nice too, so. What are your thoughts about it, Jared?
3: I agree. I think it's a bold choice. I get why the producers and the director went the direction they went. I think it was maybe just a little too bold for them. But I agree with you. I think they would have been smart, or at least impactful, to switch out, go for the main action scene of the movie, and then have Bond confront Electra and assassinate her. Because that really does show that part of his character you know, that he is an assassin. We lose sight of that a lot. And it's not always a fun thing to get, <laughs> to kill people, especially people you've been fond of at one point, but she, she had it coming. And I think that would have led into this over the end credits. It would have made a powerful movie. And I think people would be talking about the world is not enough more than they do now. Right now, I feel like it's a bit more of a, oh, that was one of those Brosnan ones in the 90s. Well, let's move on type of movies.
1: So- I think they could have changed it. Yeah, I think so. I think it would have been a lot more impactful. And I think it is a bit of a forgotten movie. I know a lot of people really, myself among them, like Electric King as a villainess. That was a brave thing to do. I think they just could have pushed it that little bit further. And as you say, I think it'd be a much more highly regarded movie if they'd have done that.
3: Yeah. On the rookie agents, everyone was quite taken with
1: Electric King. So there was a lot of potential there. But yeah. Yeah. All right. With those thoughts on how we should be the Bond producers, because we know better. um, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <I got laughs> hand it over to my uh, fellow producer and director of the uh, Bond 26, Jared, and he can talk through his, uh, his uh, three picks from what's left.
3: Over right you, Jared. All right. I'll tell you what I am a nuclear scientist.
1: And if you don't believe that, then maybe you'll believe that these are my three picks. <laughs> Can you uh, change out of those shorts and skimpy T-shirt though? So just way <laughs> too <distracted>, too distracting.
3: <laughs> It's just freezy and I like it. <laughs> okay, let's get into my first pick. My first pick is a track called Ice Bandits. It is track eight on the soundtrack CD. This is a pure adventure sound in the Arnold style. Again, it's a good drive fast or perhaps ski fast track. And I like that it's got a lot of high tension, high energy, high tension, let's give it a listen to Ice Bandits. you can definitely see why q the music would have a hard time orchestrating that there's a lot going on there's a lot going in there yeah <laughs> well i know it starts out with a real ominous sound so you've got to like that alan what were your thoughts on
1: it? yeah one i'm not sure about you getting the ominous tracks this time instead of me but
3: well you did the thing where you picked a song that was an actual song and not just a score piece <laughs> so like we swapped out
1: <laughs> no i like this one it's fun I'm going to do an Ian Fleming Foundation thing again. We have a couple of those, actually three of those Parahawks. There's not a lot to them, but they're fun to be around. This track always reminds me of that. A Bond skiing scene is always good. I don't know what it is about the ski scenes, but they seem to pull out the best of the composers. We always get some pretty good music uh, with the ski scenes, be it Majesties or On 77 or whatever. We always seem to get something good aligned to some of the ski scenes. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's a good, fun track. It's one of those that when it's on, I can see that scene of the movie in my head. I agree. I agree. Let's go into
3: my second pick, which might be my favorite of my three. My second pick is track 10 from the CD, and it is called Body Double. This is some serious sneaky bond music, which I'm always a fan of. It's got a real cool, unique, almost Middle Eastern sound to it. We talked about some flavorful international music earlier. I think this falls into that category. So, Get prepared to sneak around as we listen to Body Double.
1: What do you think, Alan? One of the things I love about this track is the echoey reverb that sort of runs through it, particularly that opening one, and then it just continues through. I think that's really cool. I never really thought about the Middle Eastern sound until you mentioned it, but yeah, I think it really does influence it. Um, Again, a really, really good track. Good choice, Jared.
3: Thank you. you. It's definitely fun to sneak around with that one. So next time you're doing something sneaky, put on track 10, Body Double. And I will bring us to my last pick of my three, and it's going to be track 16, I Never Miss. I think Alan and I both talked a bit about how that's a powerful scene and a powerful moment in the film. What I like best about this track is I think it really tells a story. And I know Alan likes tracks that do that, given uh, what we've talked about in previous episodes. It has an ominous sound, which I know Alan loves. At times it gets stressful, then it gets intense, then there's a climactic piece to it, and then it goes into that melancholy sound, which absolutely tracks with the relationship between Bond and Electric King. Let's give it a listen.
1: What do you think about that one, Alan? Well, actually, this was the one I was going backwards and forwards between picking this one and only myself to blame the song that we talked about, the Scott Walker song. So I think the two tracks actually go together. I sort of wish they were actually next to each other on the CD as opposed to being three tracks apart. Good point. For me, this, if the song hadn't been on there and I wanted to talk about the song, then this would have been a definite pick for me. I love the big orchestral sound at the start and then the way it just, as you said, it gets more personal as it goes on. It is, as you mentioned, a great reflection of the relationship between Bond and Electric King. Tells the story of that very concisely within, was it three minutes? It's a very cool track and would have been one of my choices. You have to be happy that I left it for you.
3: I am. I am happy. Uh, That's the one good thing about these Arnold CDs, whether they be the Tiger or the Bucket of Water. There's (laughs) plenty. I don't know. That sounds so bad. I really do like this CD. There's just plenty of good things to pick from. There's been some CDs where Alan and I are like, oh no, you left, <laughs> you left me with this. But this one's not, you know, these last two CDs haven't been like that. There's been just bountiful choices. You could basically throw a dart, you know, and, and hit a good track. So, you know, yeah, that
1: speaks well. There's been no problem finding six of the best on these last few Arnold tracks. No, no. Not at all. Talking of which, now that we've picked our six of the best, it's time for a bonus track. So this time around, I found something that I think is a little different. This is a version of The World Is Not Enough by Scott Bradley, and I believe the singer's name is pronounced Nia. My apologies if I got that wrong. Nia is actually an American singer who, a few years back, actually did a Best of 007 performance in New York, backed by a 14-piece orchestra. She knows her Bond music. Scott Bradley is the pianist, arranger, and founder of Postmodern Jukebox. If you don't know Postmodern Jukebox, I highly recommend you go look them up on YouTube. They basically do modern music in an old style. So they do current and classic pop and rock hits and do them in the style of anything from the 20s through to the 50s. For instance, their most recent one is doing Rihanna's Umbrella as if it was in Singing in the Rain. They've done... This intrigues me greatly. So, so, I, and Jill and I everything. love them. We, we watch them a lot. They've done The Spice Girls as if sung by the Andrews sisters. Um, oh, that's so cool. They're really cool. They're really professional. They do some really cool stuff. So go look up Postmodern Jukebox if you like good classic music and an old-fashioned style. Anyway... So Scott Bradley and Nia got together and this was done a couple of years ago. I think they did it for a podcast. It's very laid back. It's got a very late night lounge feel. To me, it's almost like as if Sade had done a cover of The World is Not Enough. So uh, let's give it a whirl.
0: So
3: what do you make of that? Man, I think it's really great. I think it would have been a nice one to play over the closing credits (laughs) of the film. I get a very Pierce Brosnan from, I think it was Tomorrow Never Dies, where he's sitting in his chair with his tie is undone and his shirt's Mm, opened up and he's just got his glass and his drink. I get that vibe off of it.
1: Yeah, me too. That's actually a good point. I think, again, this would have been a good version. Unfortunately, I think on... I think it's just this recording. The pianos are a little heavy. Yeah. A little loud yeah. compared to the voice. I think you could have leveled those out to use a good technical phrase because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I I think they could have leveled those out a bit.
3: But, you know, but, for like, people said, doing it on a podcast.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of people doing it on a podcast, and we know how amateurish podcasts are. I mean, for goodness <laughs> sake. Uh, <laughs> they um, can't all be wired tight like us, Alan. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a high bar to meet, isn't it? Um <laughs> There's actually a video. I mentioned that this singer Nia had actually done a best of 007 thing in New York with a 14 piece orchestra. I actually found a clip of a video taken during that, but it was taken by somebody in the audience and there's people still eating their dinner and chatting and clicking cutlery all the way through it while she's singing this beautiful bond song in the background. And I'm like, for God's sake people put your knife and fork down. And you know, it's like, that must be heartbreaking for a performer. But anyway, yeah, I really liked it. And, uh, I don't think Postmodern Jukebox themselves have actually done any Bond songs, but I highly recommend you go look at Postmodern Jukebox. I'm hoping at some point I'll find more that Scott Bradley and Nia did together, because I actually really like that version. And I have included it in the usual playlist of covers, which you can find on YouTube. This time around, there's a pretty good selection. I've actually also included a track by Straw, which is actually tagged as a rejected title song for this movie. But as we discussed earlier, nobody has officially said that anybody else was invited to submit. So I don't really know the story behind that, but it's an interesting approach. And for once, uh, we talked about the video up front and how that's a nice mini movie. I've included that in the playlist as well this time. So if you want to find that, just go on YouTube, search for Bond Music 6 of the Best, or you can go directly from the link that we'll put in the show notes. Over to you, Jared.
3: Awesome, awesome stuff, Alan. Thanks for putting that together for us. And you know what? That's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. If you've got a question or a comment, you can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or, of course, you can comment on our Twitter, which is at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you can leave a rating or review, that would be great. And speaking of reviews, Alan, much like Janine said in Ghostbusters, we got one! Yay! <laughs> we got a pretty nice review from BMC Molo over on iTunes gave us a five-star review around our License to Kill episode. And since BMC Molo took the time to write it, I'm going to take the time to read it.
1: W6N, 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 calling G7W. How do you hear
0: me? Over.
3: BMC Molo says, great episode. This is one soundtrack I had on cassette my kind of guy, since it came out, but never upgraded to CD. Luckily, my cassette player still works, also my kind of guy, and it actually still sounds pretty good listening quality-wise. As this episode makes abundantly clear, it's quite an overlooked little gym, and it's so late 80s, early 90s, more or less the same set of aesthetics, 1989 to 1991 or so. It's like opening a vault and breathing in the air of yesteryear each time I put it on. One of my favorite things about this podcast is the chance to hear covers I've never heard before. The cover posted here of the title track is great, possibly better than the Gladys original.
1: (sighs) Easy, easy. (laughs) That's fighting talk.
3: (laughs) But I'm glad he liked it. A few episodes back, the Tape 5 cover of You To A Kill was so good that I listened to it practically every day since. That is a good one, Alan. My two-year-old has been singing it, which is a sure sign that he's destined for great things that's good parenting that is good parenting (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to say crooner disco bond is manna from heaven cheers to jared and alan look forward as always to the next installment even if we are now moving beyond my bond soundtrack love and familiarity i have and study to some extent everything from dr no through license to kill everything beyond is not my specialty We
1: appreciate you taking the journey with us, Yeah, BMC Molo. And hopefully you'll uh, enjoy some of the uh, post-License to Kill soundtracks, and uh, we're opening your eyes to a few of the gems that are out there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hopefully so. You know, I, I got to admit, I'm kind of like BMC Molo in my bond listening. Like, I'm pretty good on everything from <laughs> about License to Kill back. And then once we hit the 90s, that's where I need to spend a little more time. And I'm glad we have, Alan. We've definitely found some real gems, especially on these last two. Yep. But thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. And, and what a glowing review. And it's just nice to know that people are listening along with us. And now nah, that's really nice. So thanks again. Now, if you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. What about you,
1: Alan? Okay, for bond related stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon. And actually, for non bond related stuff, if you're that brave, you can just follow me at Alan J. Porter. And you can find me on Tumblr and Instagram, talking James Bond at James Bond Lexicon. And over at our jamesbondlexicon.online website, if you haven't already, check out the 007 mission section where we cover all the Eon movies, actually, and the non-Eon movies with plot summaries and links to the related OHMS pod movie reviews, the Rucky Agent shows, as well as the soundtrack reviews shows. Again, that's jamesbondlexicon.online. And as always, we will now pass the baton to White Rocket founder and OHMS pod co-host, Van Allen Plexico, to thank our generous patrons who support all of our White Rocket endeavors.
2: So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket and join up. And it's for as little as a dollar a month you get to be part of the show and we send out we I post things occasionally on the Patreon page of interest and you get previews, you get special deals, special offers and discounts on things that we do, and you sometimes get shows before the uh the regular audience does. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our programs on the air that we owe everything to. Samuel Salvatore and Bart Lindsey, Bradley Blackman, Brian Gray, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Traywick, Susan Traywick, Tom Anderson, Willie Carden, Ann Kandian, Eh, A.U. Falling Up, Ben Bloodsworth, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Evers David Hegler Emmanuel Seaman George Gaston Jacob and Robin Fleming James Greenwell Joel Beckham John Otsuki Catherine England Kevin Smith Mickey B Phil Davis Preston Settle Reynolds Wolf Rich Reimer Steve Harlan Timothy WDE Richie Wes Atkinson William Morgan Wilson Beard Winston Body, Alex Nguyen Blake Heron Boris the Tiger Kato the Barner Chris Hilton Chris Thrash Colby Butler Danny Flack Plus, Daris Benton David Simpson, Di Bama, Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Shannon Butson, Sarah Hines, Shane Bailey, Snowdog, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Todd Gray, Tony Perry, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Brandon Sisson, Brandon Smith, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Don, Donnie Reynolds, Plus, Ivor Evans, James Taylor, Jason Albrecht, John Stubbs, John Zavatchin, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Lawrence Kane, Mark Squire, Matthew Flowers, Mick Vigicana, Nicholas Craig, Patrick Williams, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Robert O. Salmon's, Russell Suther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, that's the truth, Ruth, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Kenneth Brent Raines, Brant Rumble, and Chris Plus, our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so much. Go to www.plexico.net or just go to www.patreon.com and sign up and join the family.
1: Okay, thanks for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the original 1999 The World Is Not Enough soundtrack CD. As always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl. And please support the Bond creative community. We will be back with six of the best from Die Another Day. And yes, we will be discussing that title song. I'm going to look forward to that one.
3: We're going to analyze this, analyze (laughs) Analyze this. this.